Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com, or you can head over to Facebook and check us out at facebook.com slash vctchurch. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you being here. And if you are watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share, and uh, that really helps us out. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, so this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, uh, where we dig into the Old Testament and we see what's there. We study what's there. Some of the most important people and events and scriptures are in the Old Testament, and so it's a great time to, to get to study. Mm-hmm. Um, another class we have going on right now is the Gospel of John. Yep. Going well. How are you doing in that? It's where going, where we're are still you in at? Chapter one. Still in chapter. We've been one. there for a while. We've been there for a while. <laughs> we, okay. We've been there for a while. Yeah. We talked. We talked last week about uh, being a witness to to uh, keep straight the the path of Christ and how that how that we can navigate that today in our lives and uh, you know we uh, you know it's a it's a good class you know it's it's a fun and there's probably thirty five people in class and you know it's a it, it's been it's been a fun class to teach. I, I really enjoy teaching the Book of John. You know, we're going from from uh, him being God and and to at the end saying we have enough to believe that he was the Christ. Hmm. And and all the stuff in between is going to be so much fun to 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 navigate through. I think it's really the first time I've ever really well, it's the first time I've taught the Book of John in front of a camera, but it's the first time I really taught the Book of John. You know, to an audience like, especially on Sunday morning, audience is different than Wednesday night audience. It's just, there's, it's just different, and uh, I think it's the first time I've ever done it on on Sunday morning. So, you know, awesome. It's fun. It's fun. It's a fun class. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, hey, join us. You, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think hey, you'll be pleased. Well, and you can catch the Gospel of John live every Sunday morning at nine a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there are any buffering issues, unfortunately, we've had some of that going on with. Uh, the, the technology and stuff, that class gets re-uploaded on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sure you see some of those videos off to the side. But that class gets re-uploaded on YouTube and rebroadcast out on YouTube. And so if it messes up or something on Facebook, just head over to YouTube and catch catch back up on some of the episodes, and you'll see yep. the latest one yep. come out during the week. And we've done First John, Second John, Third John, and now John. That's right. Yeah. So we've been abs- at it for a while. Absolutely. So before Dan was teaching the Gospel and, of John, he was teaching the letters of John. And before we went the pandemic, I was teaching the book of Hebrews. And we'd gotten to about chapter nine and we stopped. And because we were out a year, I didn't want to go back and start over because, you know, and I said, if I start at chapter nine, nobody, a lot of them are not going for. So I'm looking forward to when we get through with John. I want to go back and start the book Hebrews again. Awesome. I want to do it again. I want to do the book Hebrews over again. It is an awesome book. I love teaching the book of Hebrews, and uh, I want to do that. I think it works really well with what we're doing here. Oh, yeah. I think it'll work sure. really well. So, anyway. All right. Well, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. Yep. We should mm-hmm. be finishing chapter 32 tonight. Hopefully. <laughs> Brother, why don't you go ahead and open All us right. up with prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study tonight. I pray that you help us to... Uh, uh, to find the things that we need to learn and, and that we present them in a way that, that our, our audience can learn and to grow from them. Father, thank you for this venue and thank you for the opportunities that we have. Thank you so much for the power of the word and what it can do in people's lives. And, uh, and we just are in awe of you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, Dan, before we get started with the text, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Um, 
has there ever been anything in your life that you were willing to kick, punch, fight, really struggle for? And if so, what? You know, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know that they would say this. I think my wife and my kids, I was willing to, uh, you know, they, I, I probably didn't act like it much when I was growing up, when they were growing up, but, but, uh, they were, they were very precious to me. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes, lots of them, but, uh. It was uh, it was something I was really uh, I was really passionate about my family, uh, doing what was necessary for my family, uh, so they could have the best opportunity. Uh, you know, I never was going to be a rich guy, nothing like that. But but uh, and I never had to defend them, you know, physically or anything like that. Uh, you know, at least I don't remember having to do that. But uh, I think it was uh, uh, that was probably the most important thing in my life was my family my wife and my kids and and it really hurt me when when I when I would realize that I'd done stuff that wasn't that wasn't helping them you know uh, we had the same problems most families do you know with kids and and with our relationship together you know we had the same problems uh, but uh, you know and it really bothers me that I didn't show them I don't think how important they were to me you know I didn't I, I had a my my dad never never really told me he loved me. He never told me, and I and I took on that same personality, and I didn't either. And it's uh, it's very difficult to do it when they're forty years old and make them believe you mean it when you didn't do it when they were twelve and five and four, you know. So, but it was just not something in my repertoire. Something I did. I mean, I guess a lot of guys can say that they didn't. They weren't really uh, uh, overly, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Affectionate? Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the word. I wasn't overly affectionate. You know, hugging wasn't really a... First time I was hugged by a man was when I came to church. First time. Really? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think probably. I don't ever remember being hugged by a man. My grandfather, nobody. I, I don't ever remember that. And uh, and and I looked, at, I looked at the guy and I went, dude, you need to back off. You need to back off. This is not cool. And you and me are going to have a problem if you don't back off. That was my mindset. That was how I. That was how I perceived that. Because that's not what I. That's not what I got at home. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever saw that. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would have. I would have. Uh, I would have fought for my family. Yeah, would have. You know, but I. But I wouldn't have hugged them. <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy. It, it. It. Think about. Think about my where I'm at now. You know, and uh, you know, having uh, having to try to try to rectify that now. So, mm. you know, it's tough. It's tough. You know, so that's I guess that's the one thing that that uh, that I that I can look at and say I would kick, fight, bet, bit, scratch, clawed for was my family. Mm. You know, of course, when when my relationship with God came along, uh, you know, I would have I, I I would have done anything to to enhance and grow that relationship. But the one that was the most important to me for, for, you know, I was married when I was 21. I came to Christ when I was 29. We already had a Mark who was seven or eight. I mean, just turned eight. Uh, and Kevin, who was probably four. 
and Georgia was pregnant with Paul. So, you know, the the whole family and thing was going on at the same time I was finding my relationship with God. Well, and if I remember correctly, you know, we've we've done a few of these, and and a, I remember you saying that, you know, what drove you to the scriptures again was you realized you were going to lose your family. Yeah, yeah. And so you you realized that when when you know, you're going to lose your family, and you realize that that that's a that's a that could be a possibility, and there's nobody to lash out at. There's not another man. There's not another. Uh, there's not an affair. There's not a, a man coming in trying to, you know, that's hugging your kids and stuff. There's none of that. You you look in the mirror and it and it's the guy looking back at you. You know. And now how do you fight and scratch and claw? How do you kick and bite? What do you do now? Right. Well, you have to do something. And uh, so I guess that was my way of that. Did wasn't physical. It was more spiritual. You know, I got to do something. Yeah. Best way is I got to change the guy looking back at me. And it took a long time. Well, and because, you know, like a lot of people, when you come to the Word, you also mentioned that initially your coming to the Word was, I'm going to prove that I'm right. Yeah. And she's wrong. Yeah. And so I, from what I understand, you came out of Catholicism, did yeah. you not? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so in Catholicism, I, I, I can only imagine, but you were probably trying to, to bear out that divorce was not acceptable. Yeah. It was not oh, that. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a major sin. Yeah. And so trying to trying to kind of hold the family well, together through my that. wife my wife came from from Pentecostalism all right that's the she came from a from not a charismatic but like assembly of God that was the that she didn't go to church but that was the her family was right that. and uh, and I was I was looking for uh, I want to get her baptized so I went to the book and started reading about baptism and I knew hey I'm fine I, I don't I don't right. I don't have a problem yeah I'm fine you know, and, and the more I read, the more I found I'm fine. I wasn't fine after all. It's really interesting what happens yeah. when you start to read the yeah, book. Yeah, I started to read the Word. You know, and, and of course, at the same time, I figured, hey, if I get her baptized, I can still do the things I'm doing, and, and she'll be okay a little bit with it. Right. Because I get her more spiritual, right. and I can kind of play the game here. Yeah. It's not the way it works She'll out. be spiritual like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There you go. I understand. I get that, it. Yeah, that's how That's sure how I can. Man, it, boy, did that blow up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, it's interesting that you <clears throat> bring out, or that you, <clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting that you immediately go to your family. Mm-hmm. Because what we're dealing with in Genesis chapter 32 is a man who is also incredibly concerned. He has been confronted with this reality that he is going, very and, and, possibly and, and, could and, lose and his family. And that's not why I said that. That truly is what, I, you know, and, and it... It may sound like we t- we staged this. I didn't know what you were going to ask you me. You didn't know. I had no idea. And uh, but you know, I mean, you know, Jacob is Jacob is uh, really he's a broken man at this point. He really is. He's broken. Yeah. Uh, he's had conflicts with every male figure in his life. Everyone uh, with his with his uh, uh, with his brother, with you, his father. You know, Isaac didn't. Isaac loved Esau better. You know, Esau ended up wanting to kill him. Laban ended up, his father-in-law ended up cheating him yeah. over the entire time he knew he yeah. knew him. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. He's broken. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, and, and he's, he has, a, there is a, there is a family history of conniving and lying and, and supplanting to get what you want or to keep from happening what you think is going to happen. Abraham, Isaac, 
And now Jacob. You know, he his name is means supplanter. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I've read one commentary. He said he's a he's a heel grabber, <laughs> grabbing onto the heel of Esau as he comes out, and then stealing his birthright. And and his and he's broken. He really is. He's broken. Every all the male uh, influences in his life have turned out to to uh, have been flawed. That's Every right. one of them. And. Uh, I, I've I've seen you know I guess it happened in my own life. You know I mean, you know my uncles are, were, we weren't you know my I probably was close to my grandfather but we we didn't we weren't huggers we didn't, you know he didn't tell me he loved me, never told me that, you know my dad never told me no no nobody, and and that's what I brought, I brought that with me, yeah, and it uh, and it almost destroyed my family. Well, and we've seen that. Well, we will we will see the fruit of that fully in Jacob's life. I I believe in the narrative oh, of Joseph. Wait till but, you get, we till we get about Benjamin and Joseph and all. Man, you're gonna see. I mean, the favoritism that that Abraham, or at least I would say the perceived favoritism through Abraham, because it says in the text that Abraham dearly loved Ishmael, mm-hmm. but God looked at him and said, "Don't don't fret. Do what your wife has said. I'll take care of it." And so Abraham believed God, mm-hmm. and he and he gives him he gives his own son, whom it, the text says he loves, a single water skin, and then kicks him out. Yeah. Why? Because he doesn't love his kid. No, he no. loves his kid, but he believes that God is going to do what God has said, and so he kicks him out. Well, Isaac grew up seeing that, and so Isaac, it's very possible, grew up. Now the text doesn't say well, that, and it was probably it was probably a very uh, tense family life. Sure. With Ishmael and Isaac there, and Ish- and Isaac being the, the the chosen one, and Ishmael being a, I mean, you know, it was tense. Well, and then even, but the favoritism certainly occurred with Sarah. If he, if Isaac didn't learn or didn't see some semblance of favoritism for his father, maybe his father, maybe Abraham, did everything he could to make sure Isaac still understood that he loved Ishmael and that he was doing this because of God, right? Maybe, maybe that's the case. Again, guys, we are, hey, look, we are reading between the lines in the text here, so peace. You know, you can completely disagree with us, and that's okay, but we're trying to analyze Well, we're looking at it from, from a from. normal perspective. Here we are. What generally happens when you have this kind of stuff happen? This is what happens. Right. People are watching, and this is their family. Their family is, their family is broken because of these same things happening. And Jacob certainly saw favoritism. Out of, Absolutely. Excuse me, excuse, yes, Jacob certainly saw it. Isaac certainly saw favoritism from Sarah. Sarah never accepted Ishmael. As soon as she got pregnant, right, it was it was before well, she got pregnant, it was, hey, sleep with Hagar and, and give me a legal child here, you know, willing to do anything necessary. What, but as soon what about as she the women pregnant, in their lives? What are they seeing from the women in their lives? What what is what is Jacob seeing from from his own wife? You know, true. I mean, what did what did he see from his grandmother? You know, his grandmother's the one, you know, that 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 caused the 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 problems between Hagar and Ishmael to begin with. Well, J- Jacob's grandmother was dead by the yeah, time he was. Yeah, I know, but but he saw the result of that. But he saw the result of it. Yeah. You don't yeah. think? You know, what families don't talk about this stuff? You know, and so it, what's interesting is you know God says when He reveals His character in Exodus chapter thirty-four, starting in verse six, right? You know, the Lord, the Lord, loving, compassion, all these things. But then it says, and I will punish, but I will punish the sins of the father up to the third and fourth generation. Folks, we pass down sin. 
Well, we pass down the consequence of it for sure. I mean, we do. We pass it down. Look, this is this is Jacob who's coming into this. He's coming back out of Paddan Aram, right? He fled because of the things he did to his brother. He fled because of poor poor relationships that he had with his father because of favoritism, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and now he's coming back, and Esau is marching on his position. Let's put it. Let's put it in the way it would have been seen from their perspective. He is marching on his brother's camp with four hundred men. Mm-hmm. Jacob's scared. Well, yeah, he's scared. Why is he scared? Because he remembers the things he did. That's right. He's guilty. He feels guilty. Uh, you know, I, I've been there. You've been. We've been there. Where we've done something and somebody's going to respond in a negative way. I'm going, uh oh, you know, I got this coming. Mm. Yeah. Wait till your kids get older. <laughs> Just wait. Yeah, no kidding. You know, I mean, I mean, you know. I imagine I might not know for sure what I'm doing wrong now, but as soon as my kids get old, they'll enough, let you know. They'll let me know. They'll let you know. <laughs> they'll tell me. They will. They'll tell and you'll me. Say, in certain and you'll terms. say, here, here comes, uh oh, here, get the phone, uh oh, man, I got this coming. Might as well take it like a man because I got it coming. You know, and they'll, they don't have a problem. I never had daughters. But, uh, you know, cherish your daughters. Cherish them. Don't let your wife have to do it. You cherish them. Make them feel like, like queens and princesses. You know, with responsibility and with discipline, but, but cherish them. You know, I mean, I wish I'd done that with my sons. I wish I had. I wish I, they would have known when they were little um, that, that, there is, that, they, that their dad loved them unconditionally. They didn't know that, you know. And I look at this guy, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, his his sons are gonna get are gonna get to a point where they're gonna tell their dad that one of his sons, his beloved son, has been eaten by animals and killed because they hate him so much because of what this guy is gonna do. <laughs> it's amazing that God loves this guy. It gives me great hope. It does. Like we've been telling you guys, remember what we've been telling you? <laughs> God uses flawed individuals. And That's if you're right. flawed, he can use you. So let's pick it up in 22. Thir- we're in chapter 32, 22. And so we've recapped already, so I'm just going to yep. get into the text. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the play. Let's stop right there. What? <laughs> what? Now, well, now, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I've got some issues with this text. Okay. Right off the bat. All right. So Jacob's doing all of these things. He's getting, he's, he's sending his, his family across the mm-hmm. river. I understand mm-hmm. all that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. My problem, I think, is with verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him. This is God mm-hmm. wrestling with Jacob, mm-hmm. and he could not overpower him. Mm-hmm. Got a problem here. Tell me what your problem is. It's God. He should be able to overpower. This, this man should be dead. 
he should be a smoking pile of ash on the ground. As soon as God stepped foot in his eyesight, yeah. right? I'm thinking, you know, Nate, uh, oh my, I'm going to butcher that name. Nadab, Nadab and Abihu. I'm thinking Nadab and Abihu. Yeah. You can't walk into the presence of God. I'm thinking Moses, you know, as God pre- passes over him in the cleft, you can't even look upon my face. Mm-hmm and not die, right? You can't, you, you just saw the back of God pass in front of the cleft, you know? what? What's going on here? What? How is this dude, this Jacob, supplanter, nonetheless, his name is supplanter. How is it that he wrestles with God and not only is he not immediately turned into a pile of ash, but on top of this, it says that God could not overpower him. Okay. What is going on? You know, Jacob's whole relationship with God, his whole relationship with his family, his whole relationship with his, with, his, with his father has been one of striving always to have to overcome, okay? Mm-hmm. All, all the time. Every, every relationship he's had. He's going to do this through, the, through the, all the history with Joseph and all that, overcoming, okay? And he is going to have a history of struggling with God his whole life. I believe that God is showing him, hey, this this is going to happen to you over and over and over again. You really think that he that God couldn't overpower him, or is he is God trying to teach this man something? You know, if God really turned turned the dogs loose on this guy, he would be a smoldering pile of of dust. It's not what's happening here. God's trying to teach this guy something. Just like man, we struggle with God every day. We struggle with him all the time, and he lets us get away with it. Why? Why does he let us get away with it? Because he needs to teach us something. He needs to teach us that you may hang on to me. You may hang on to me for dear life. But all I got to do is touch you one time. And he's going to touch this guy one time. And he's going to limp for the rest of his life. You don't think God could have could could cleaned this boy's clock? Sure he could have. But in the, in the, in the dynamic he was, he was not going to overcome God here because God's trying to teach this guy something. Well, I think there's another aspect to it as well. Okay. What is it we struggle for? Jacob has spent his whole life struggling and fighting against everything. At the everything. 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 He's you know, he struggled against his brother, he struggled against his father, he struggled against his brother, he struggled against Laban. I mean, the, remember chasing, what Laban did to him. Right. He he but wanted Rachel. What was he chasing? It wasn't God. No. Now Jacob is struggling and chasing God. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fighting him. And why is he fighting him? Look at verse 26, that latter part. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what he wanted. He realized that I need God to bless me. What did he, what did he want from his father? Yeah. What did he want? He wanted, to, he wanted a blessing that he did not deserve, and he stole it. Now, I understand that God had already prophesied that the older will serve the younger. I already know that. Right? Sure. But he, but at his perspective and his mother, what is his mother, what's Rebecca and, and Jacob doing together? What are they doing? Yeah, they're plotting. They're, they're plotting scheming. and scheming and lying. That's right. To do what? To get a blessing they don't got coming. That's right. And what does he want here? Give me a blessing. I want a blessing. And, and he's going to bless him. He is. But I think he's finally going about it the right way. Okay. He is sitting there 
He has gone to everybody else to try to get this thing. Now he's coming to God. And God says, let me go. It's daybreak. Let me go. I'm done. Okay. And, right. and Jacob says, no. I wanna, I'm going to read Hosea chapter 12. Okay. So let's come over to Hosea chapter 12 real quick. I'm going to start uh, in verse 1. So this is out of the Minor Prophets. And if you don't, if you don't know anything about the Minor Prophets, what you need to know is the Minor, the pro, they're, they're called the Minor Prophets. They're all prophets. They're all very important. Mm-hmm. They're called Minor because the size of their writings were a little bit smaller. But they are all speaking to a sinful nation that has abandoned God. And in Hosea chapter 12, starting in verse 1, Ephraim, that's one of the tribes Mm -hmm. of of Israel, feeds on the wind. He pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes a treaty with Assyria and sends olive oil to Egypt. Now, the reason that's bad is God in his law told them not to do that. that. They were supposed to only depend on him. But they're making treaties with Assyria, sending olive oil to Egypt. That's another that way to do trade and treaty. That's what it's referencing there. The Lord has a charge to bring against Judah, another tribe of Israel. He will punish Jacob. He is now speaking of the, na- the nation, nation as a whole, yeah. according to his ways, and repay him according to his deeds. And then listen, listen to this. This is verse 3. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. That's really what's going on here. Mm-hmm. He wants a blessing. The text goes on. He wants on. a favor from God. He does. Mm-hmm. But the text goes on in Hosea chapter 12, and he points out, look at this in verse 6, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. See, the prophet here is pointing out that Ephraim, Judah, and all of Israel is not following in the steps of Jacob. Jacob here pursued God with everything he had. He realizes here, whether mm-hmm. whether it's here or somewhere along the way, he realizes that the person I have to go to for this blessing, the, per- the person that I need in my life more than anything else, the one I need watching over my shoulder is God, well, and I'm willing to fight for well, it. Well, you know, you can... You can be confronted with a boss and say, you know, you got these options. And you can say, I don't like those options. I'm going some, I'm going to do something else. And you can look for favor from a boss. You can look for favor from a family member. And they can give it to you. They can give you a better job. They can give you a, a more lucrative position. Your wife can be kinder and nicer. And your kids can be. But it's never going to give you what God can give you. That's right. Ever. That's right. Only God can give you the spiritual cleansing, the spiritual well-being, the spiritual blessings. You can't get them from a boss. You can't get them from family. You can't get them from having money in the bank. You know, people have tried way better than many of us have tried, have had lots of money, and it doesn't accomplish anything. What good is all that money when you're dead? Yeah. You, you don't, can't take you, it with you. No, you're not going to take it with Pharaoh's you. Pharaoh's tried. You know, you know, the only place that those blessings come from is God. That's right. And it, and it's the blessings that matter. You know, the treasures that we lay up for ourselves in heaven are those blessings that only come from God. The spiritual blessings that only God can give us. We can't get them ourselves. People have tried for generations, centuries. They've tried. And they've tried everything under the sun to try to get them. And here this guy, that's what he wants to. He want, that's what Hosea chapter, chapter 12 said. He's looking to get... He's looking for those things from God that he can't get. Man, he's got he's got 
kids and wives, and he's got concubines. What 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 blessing is he in need of that he feels so strongly that spiritual he has a blessing? Peace. Yeah, those spiritual. Well, pe- people have been fighting for peace. Millions of people died on battlefields trying to get peace. What what are you talking about? That's not where peace comes from. Peace comes from God. That's right. It's a blessing that we get from God when we do what God tells us to do, and he gives us a peace of mind, a peace of heart. You know, I've said this over and over and over again. You know, whenever whenever we start opening up the Word and we start looking at it, it, it's shocking how God views concepts and how we view concepts. You know, if you you ask somebody today, this is so this is 2021 when this is being recorded. Um, middle 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 of 2021, we're in the summer. And if you ask somebody today, "Hey, what what is the United States at peace with Russia? Is the United States at peace with China?" The world would say yes. The world would say yes. I live here. We're not at peace with anyone, not the way God sees peace. God sees peace as shalom, as each party seeking the absolute best for the other, mm-hmm. right? We don't have that type of relationship with, I don't, know, I don't know of any nation that we have that type of relationship with. That's not a peace that comes from man. The type of peace that man needs only comes from God. Absolutely. You know, you go back to verse 25. He says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip was wrenched as he, as he wrestled with the man. And then you go back over here to, uh, to verse 30. Uh, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It's because I saw God face to face, yet my life. And the sun rose with him as he passed Peniel, and be, can he be limping because of his hip? You know, what does God do sometimes? Gives us a reminder that I just walked in the presence of God, and God won. That's right. He ain't, he didn't he didn't win here. If this guy could, if this angel of God or whoever it is, the, the manifestation, the manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ, whatever, you know, if he can touch him on the hip, he could have taken his life from. Well, him. and it, it says it in thirty, mm-hmm. right? God saw face to face. I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. He could he have obliterated him at any point. He didn't see him face to face. It was dark. It was dark. He didn't see him face to face. Couldn't see him. He was, he was dark. You know, he believes it's God, and it's what it says. Yeah. You know, it could have been an angel, the, 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 the angel of the, of the pre-incarnate Christ. What, what well, if there's a lot of theories about it. We're not, we're not going to, I don't want to delve into the angel of the Lord topic no, no, in this no. study. No, no. But <laughs> the, the point, point is, is it tells us it was God. And, and we know that God said, you can't see me face. Nobody can see my face and live. All right? We know that. Either he saw him and, he, and God's a liar, or, he, or he just, it just says that he saw him. Well, I mean, look, this, this, isn't, this isn't an anomaly by any means of the, the imagine, stretch of the imagination, right? Moses saw the burning bush, mm-hmm. and the angel of the Lord was in the bush. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen this. Sam, uh, Samson's parents out in the field, mm-hmm. you know, they offered him homage. You can, you can always tell in the Old Testament— you know, when it's when it is God, because people that see this entity offer worship, they bow down, they offer sacrifice, and he accepts it. Mm-hmm. If it's just a regular angel, they don't accept it. Yeah, don't they, get up. They, don't they, bow down to me. They don't want that. Yeah. So if they accept the worship, then and it's and it, the text is saying this is an angel. Mm-hmm. This is the angel of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're accepting the worship. Then 
whether you like it or not, this is God we're talking about yep. here, right? So another another perfect example of this is Joshua when he makes meets the captain of the Lord's hosts, yep. and he says, you know, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. It also says Joshua bowed down and worshipped him. So we can be certain that this is is God. Yeah. And so a lot of people will talk about how, you know, where do we see Christ in the Old Testament? A lot of people theorize that that's Christ in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, peace, it's God, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. You, because it's the, it, the text says it is, and people offer worship, and the entity and does not deny it. In our first night of BBS, in our first adult class, was what did it say about Jesus? Jesus was God. Well, in the beginning was the in Word, the and the was, Word was, was God. With God, and the Word <laughs> was, was God. God. Yep. Right. That's what our little kids learned. That's right, yes. Our little kids learned. I kept so we should that. see Jesus somewhere over. in the Old Testament. I kept telling them idea. over and over and over. I said, guys, I said, we're learning this stuff, but that's what they're learning too where, in their classes. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. All right, so then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel. So we see a name change here. This is what happened with Abram and Abraham. And this is, again, this is a repetitive element in the narrative. This is essential. This is important. And it's letting us know here that this is God changing this person's name, which he has done twice now with those in covenant with him, mm-hmm. Abram and now Jacob. And this one means? And Israel means uh, struggles with God, I Struggles believe. with God. Struggles with God. Which is going to be his his heritage for Israel's heritage for, for all time. I mean, that's yes. what, they're going to struggle with God their whole existence. Absolutely. They yes. will. They'll struggle with God. You know, even after this guy, Jacob, is gone, they're going to still struggle with God, you know, through kings and, and king wannabes and splits in the kingdom. I mean, you know, we got we got a lot of ground to cover. Oh, yes. <laughs> we yes. got a lot of ground to cover. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. So now we get to Genesis chapter 33. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel. I'm going to stop right here. Something just popped in my head. You know, this was a very dramatic thing that happened with Jacob. Yes, it was. And he didn't keep it secret. Right? Because they knew. Because they didn't eat that tendon. From then on. That's right. So they knew. I, I just wanted, it just popped in my head. I said, wait a minute. He, he talked about this. Yes, he did. Yeah, he talked about this. Okay, go ahead. That was, that's, that's all I want to say. So Jacob looked and uh, looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. You know, I could, I could only imagine what that, that would probably what be like. What do you think like. he thought? I'm going to die. Yeah, you know, I mean, you ever been in a confrontation with somebody that you really didn't want to be in a confrontation with? Well, and maybe, and maybe, you know, wrestling with God, maybe he sat there and he thought, I, I'm going to make it through this. I just wrestle with God after all. I'm going to make it through this. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was his thinking. Well, maybe. It's not according to what he does. No, no. His actions would seem to think that, that he, he's not he, thinking he, he'll make it through it. He was thinking the trouble's going to happen. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because oftentimes people will say, here we have another dichotomy, right? So people often say that if we're going to act in faith, then we ought to do nothing. Uh-huh. Yet here we see Jacob not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it comes, it's another interesting example of, well, what, what is faithful action? Is this, is he f- acting faithfully here by dividing up, by acting wisely, we would say, right? Mm-hmm. Dividing his children up among the wives and everything else. Is he acting wisely? Is he not acting out of faith? What, what do you, what do you think? Well, he, 
You know, he has he has divided up. Uh, didn't he divide up his in, in the last study? He divided up all of his stuff and, and and had him come and given gifts to Esau, right? Yes, he did. Think that would appease him. Then he struggles with God, gets his name changed, and figures out. Wait a minute, God's been with me. God's going to be with me. Maybe you know. And so he does go now. He goes and he sits and he bows down in front of him. Okay. He does. Yeah. And and so anyway, I think I think it's a. Uh, I I think he's. Uh, He's realizing that this may turn out okay. I think. Let's let's read some more and let's look at it and see what he says. I think. Well, I think I think for me this section, this this whole section with Jacob watching this, brings up that that division of thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I want to act in faith, am I allowed to also act wisely as I see it? Am I allowed to engage in in what I would consider to be a wise course of action? And does me acting preempt my faith? Does it does it mean that I'm no longer acting in faith? You understand what I'm asking? I think. Okay, so a lot of people today would say, if I if I if if you're gonna act in faith, you just have to fully trust God that God's gonna handle it. And you just have to wait for God to do it. Right. And that's faithful action. Basically, to act in faith, I must not do anything and put all of it on God. What we see Jacob do, and we've seen him do it twice now, he certainly prayed. He certainly reached out to God, but he also did other things. He didn't just pray. He prayed and then he said, okay, I'm going to divide up my, my, my family. I'm going to give him gifts. I'm going to right wrongs here. I'm going to build bridges, right? Then we see him cross over the river after wrestling with God, receiving a blessing, having his name changed. So again, he touches base with God, but then he comes across the river. He sees Esau coming and he starts doing things again. So did he act in faith or did his actions supplant his own faith? And I think I think that's the, and I don't want to say I think, but that's the big, I guess that's the Fortune 500 question. That's the big question. Can I rely on God and still act wisely. Absolutely. I think so. You know, I, I think yeah, I think God demands me to learn from him and to and to do to be a man of wisdom. He says to ask for wisdom. Yeah, and he and he'll give it to me. You know, well, why would God who who demands that I have faith in him tell me to ask for wisdom? He said, "You want wisdom and understanding, knowledge and understanding?" He said, "Ask for it. Look for it, like you would silver and gold." Okay, then I then I do that. If I look for silver, look for it like silver and gold. God says, "I'll make sure you find it." That's right. So I think being a person of faith, I have to act in accordance with that faith. That's what faith is. It's a belief in God that caused me to act upon that belief. You know, if I believe that God is going, it's going to bless me, and God's going, God wants me to 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 do these things, then I'm going to act accordingly. Now, I'm not going to go all helter-skelter here and say, oh, well, God's telling me I need to go change my job. Well, what if he isn't? What if I just think it is because I want it to be that way? Mm. Okay? That's not acting wisely. Having faith in God is I believe that he exists and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. I think that's the key. Hebrews 11.6 says that. And I think... If I, if I diligently seek him, if I look for him with my whole heart, every time when, the, when, the, when this group of folks divides themselves up, one goes north, one goes south, 
and, and the southern kingdom gets put in captivity, you know what God tells them? Make yourself at home. I'm done with you. You might as well plant gardens, take kids, have, I mean, take families and have kids. Plant gardens, man. He said, you're not coming home until you look for me. How? With all of your heart. Well, And, and, that's, when, and when I do that, I'm going to act wisely. Well, and that's what we just saw Jacob do. Absolutely. We just saw Jacob hold on to God until he received his blessing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue you with everything I have. Um, and so, yes, I, I, I don't believe for one second that acting wisely uh, is, is in any way contradictory of acting in faith. But oh, it is something we see quite often. Oh, yeah. Um, especially in today's society, we see this concept well where people will say, well, you know, you just, you just got to pray and leave it alone. Mm. Well, yes, yes and no. Sometimes the right answer is to pray and to leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the answer is you did the wrong thing. But that's acting wisely. <laughs> right. You know, if it's I, still if a I choice have, to if leave I have it alone. A, a brother in Christ that's struggling with a sin in their life of something, there may be a point where I have to just pray and leave it alone. I know that's that, that goes against the grain. Man, I'm an elder in the Lord's church. I have seen a lot of stuff, and I've seen people that sometimes you can't just go beat them with a the book. They don't respond. Acting wisely in that vein may not look normal to, uh, to people on the outside. I've seen it happen before. At the end of the day, acting in faith means depending on God, absolutely putting it in God's hand, absolutely. but understanding that as a disciple and follower of God, I need to know when to open my mouth and when to shut up. That's exactly right. And that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. Jacob, who has now struggled with God, who has prayed to God, he has done all of those things. He is also going to take steps that he believes are the best course of action for someone in his position. You know, Cole, sadly, what I've seen in the church today People don't know the difference, and that and that's hard. That that a lot of problems that happen in the church today happen because while well, I'm doing God's will, destroying people's lives is not doing God's will. Mm-hmm. God's not in the in the life destroying business; He's in the saving business, and we've got to we've got to work it. Being wise is trying to find the ways to help build people not tear them apart we're too busy many times tearing people apart by how we how we act how we talk how we talk about people the things we say behind their backs that we destroy but that's not wise that's ignorant that's not that's ungodly and if that's where you are you need to repent you need to repent because I'm telling you that's not acting wisely. That's not that that doesn't fit. Now there's times when you have to confront people. I understand that. Man, there's times when you have to when you have to sit across the table with someone and say, What you're doing is wrong. And you need to stop. Well, Let me help you. But that's the but that's acting wisely in faith. Yeah. Knowing when learning and knowing when it's time to say, I've got to step in and say something, and when it's time to say they need time or this conversation needs time, or maybe I'm not the person to do this. Or maybe I need to go find out if I, if I really know what I'm doing here. Or if I'm even right. Yeah. Yeah. You may not be right. So I think what we've seen, I don't think, <laughs> what we've seen here in the text 
is we've seen how important it is to hold on to God with everything we have, mm -hmm. to really pursue Him, to struggle and, really and fight his blessings. and kick. Absolutely. You know? And absolutely pursue His blessings. You know, Jesus talks about the persistent widow, in about yeah. being persistent in prayer and the importance of that. What we've also seen, though, is that acting in faith, living in faith, walking in faith does not preclude me from taking action. The choice on whether not to do something or do something is the difference on wisdom. Walking in faith will will make me become will help me become wise. Mm -hmm. Because walking in faith means I'm going to trust God, and God has already told me, ask for wisdom. And understand that choosing to do nothing is still choosing to do something. Well, ask you, what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. And God was impressed. He did. He was. He was impressed. He said, that, that, you could ask for anything. Now, because that's what you asked for, guess what I'm going to give you? Everything else. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to give you everything else. But you asked. He said, I feel like a child. Remember, we looked at that. When, when did we look at that? When was it? Was that? Hmm. Maybe we teach so much stuff. I don't remember when. when I don't recall when that was. I, we, I know we've looked at it recently. We've talked yeah, about it. That was in. A, it was probably during First VBS. Kings. I think it was during VBS. I yeah, think. First Kings chapter three. Yeah. Saul, where he God, said, I feel like a child. Mm hmm. I don't know what to do with these people. These are right. great people. I don't know what to do. Well, and then you couple that with the Christ and the gospel saying, if you want to enter in the kingdom of heaven, you must you become go. like these little children. Yeah. Well, that's where it's that's reference we to Solomon. That's what we were talking right. about. It was when you taught the, the second night, I think, of VBS. When you, first yes. Night. First time I taught. Yeah. That was third night yeah. on VBS. Yeah. So anyway, guys, hey, look, look for God. You know, trust him. Have faith in him. He's going to help you to, to turn the, the ignorance that we have into wisdom if we ask for it. That we'll, right. that, and God will bless us. You want the blessings that only God can give? You have to do it the right way. You have to come to God on God's terms, hold on to Him, and, and seek the blessings that only He can give. That's right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study this text. It truly is a, a powerful text. And it's powerful in, in what it says to us about our faith in you and, and trusting you and, and not, over, not, to, uh, not letting go of you, to hold on to you with everything we have and, and rely on you for the blessings that we can't get anywhere else, the blessings of peace and hope and the blessings of, of, the, of lifestyle connected and molded to you and your son. Thank you, Father, so much for those things. Bless us, Father, as we, as we move forward. Help us to be the people that your son died to make us. Help us, Father, to, to strive every day to be holy and godly. And it's in the name of your holy Son we pray.